This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Happy New Decade. Right? We can say Happy New Year, but it's Happy New Decade. There's something about that, like Heather was saying. Gracious. Before I start, I want to share, um, in, in worship, I had such a sense of I think there are some people here with us tonight that have said um, they've heard the promo and I'm committing a year. I'm, I'm committing to something. I'm, I'm going to dedicate my life to the change that will come this year. And I felt this sense in the room. Um, and God took me to Romans 10:13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever. So I think there's some whoever's that we're calling out. In different areas, we all have different areas where we would call out in our life, and sometimes our heart just calls out. You know, sometimes our soul calls out. We may think, okay, I've, I've got my ducks in a row, or I'm trying to get my ducks in a row, but then there's this, this cry of our heart out to God, and I just I feel real strong about that. Whoever was calling out, your heart was calling out in worship, whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. So just take that to the bank. Um, if you get nothing else tonight but that hits you, you got something. Okay, this year we're approaching things um, differently, and I'm really excited. The faculty are excited. We've got um, new teachers moving into the space of the household and actually the earth and stepping into call. And um, so what's going to come out this year is going to be amazing. It's a play, obviously, on that we're in 2020, the decade. But when we say building blocks for 2020 vision, no matter if you've been in the Lord five minutes, five seconds, or five years, or 50 years, or more for some, I think I've been in longer than that. I was born again at eight. So I've got a few more than that, than 50. But no matter how long, there's always further growth. There's always more. God is boundless, absolutely boundless. God is filled with wisdom for each one of us. If you took all the wisdom he had for each one of us individually and put it together, the Bible says that things about Jesus and the miracles he did, all the libraries in the world couldn't hold books recording the things that that one man did. Now, he is the savior of the world, but he was the firstborn among many brethren. So I want you guys to get excited because the, the intention of this is to give, give each one of us something to attach our faith to. So when we say give us one year, it's not really talking about us. Give God one year. Commit to Wednesday nights. If you can't be here, we stream online on the Living Faith website. So if you go to watch and listen and just go, there's a whole segment that is just for the School of Word and Worship. And then week by week, coming up on between Thursday and Monday, each week's teachings will be on there. And then um, Heather's working with me for probably some notes and different things that you'll be able to work with. But what I would say to you, if you make this commitment tonight, and at the end I believe we're going to pray together. And just make a commitment together. Because think about those of you that have been coming to sow. What's been happening? You've been growing. But if we take an intention, we believe that God has said to us, building blocks for 2020 vision, put together a curriculum for one year and let people commit their lives. Let people commit their lives to this. You'll never be the same. I literally will stand here tonight and I promise you, you will not be the same. 
but I'm going to attach some things to it. Not that God is putting prereqs, but what I would say to you as a teacher, I encourage you get a new notebook and attach what you're learning on Wednesday nights. Record if there's scriptures that hit you. If there's an idea that hits you from God by the Holy Spirit that no instructor is saying. But it hits you. Document it. The word of God says in Proverbs, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. So if we acknowledge, wow, you are talking to me. You're teaching me. You're guiding me. You're giving me insanely powerful strategies. You see, we cry out for encouragement and God comes with something. But we don't think it's the right thing. Or we don't think that's God. I would say anything that is attaching to your intention tonight with what the school of word and worship is about in your life for this next year, put it down. At the end, Pastor Gavin said a few weeks back, at the end of the year, we're going to have a garden tour. Anybody who actually enters into what God wants to do in this household, I'm going to tell you, particularly in so in a 12-month period, you're going to be astonished. And some of it may be just you feel different. This is the beauty of the word of God. It literally lifts your countenance. Because the word is not a book. He's bigger than this book. But when you go to this book, he meets you in these truths. And he will lift you up. So um, that's the intention. Commitment to, uh, and this is how I will describe it. Commitment to a process designed for clarity. Anybody in here need clarity? I'm going to put up both hands. I got a few things in my life. I need some clarifying. You know, I mean, just because I stand up here and teach doesn't mean I don't have some curiosities that I'm thinking, really, Jesus? Anybody ever feel like that sometimes? Like, excuse me, Jesus, this does not look like this should be on my path. So it's designed for clarity, more clear ability to get it. Do you ever feel like you don't get it? I come to church, I tithe, I shamatata, if you don't understand my language, pray in tongues, been baptized, in this, but sometimes it's like, I don't get it. God wants to help us get it. He wants us to understand relationship with him, personal relationship. So this first module is God's perspective of faith. We can sit in church so long and we think we understand faith. We think, I'm, I'm ready to learn some stuff on faith. I'm ready to learn some stuff on faith. I've been teaching faith for a long time, but I'm ready to learn some more stuff about faith. About my faith, how my faith works. So it's God's perspective of faith. Sometimes we don't really recognize how blurry our capacity to see is. You know, sometimes you walk in life, and as Christians, we can walk in church life or Christianity, I'm doing air quotes because we have all of our little tags and titles, but then in our privateness or when we lay our head on our pillow, we're like, I don't feel those things. I feel a model of something. I attend church or I know that I'm Christian, but what are the other things? I I need to understand life better, God, because you need to understand that going to church is not why we learn what we learn. If we learn the Bible only so that we can be faithful church members and obedient Christians, we've missed God's intention. It's, that's really important, guys. You know, and I hope tonight, 
I'm going to say ahead of time, please don't be offended. Uh, no condemnation with anything. But I think there is a waking up of the body of Christ in the earth right now. People, people that don't yet know God don't get anything when we sit in church together and say amen. I'm just saying. So I think we're going to get some capacity. I want to know if there's things I'm looking at with my tradition, with my knowledge. You see, sometimes you can look at your everyday life just with your knowledge, not with intimacy with God, with, with relational. Like, God lets you and me together look at my life. I encourage you to say that to the Heavenly Father, you know, this year. Father, I want you and I together to survey where have I got clarity and where do I not have clarity? Because he wants to enter into encounters with you for clarity in areas where you're thinking, what, Jesus? Right? You know those thoughts we have like, I thought it would be different than this. I don't personally believe that Christianity should ever reach a point where we feel like the honeymoon's over. I just don't. I think if it does, then we need to enter into something like this. Like, okay, God, I'm going to attach my faith to a commitment. I want you to know God wants to answer you in the commitment far more than you want him to. So this year in so, we're going to let the word give us a vision check. Anybody ready to get an eye exam, spiritual eye exam? Anybody ready? Will everybody commit to the fact that if things are addressed in your life and you see, oh, you'll let it go and let them change it? I, I am. I'm ready. I'm ready for some things that I don't think I understand what I'm saying. I'm ready to. I want to read you all something. I, I'm so fascinated by how God um, literally will put little details in place as we're going along in our day. And so this morning... I think it was this morning or yesterday morning, one of the mornings. Um, I was going through, I just felt to go on my iPad to the camera and look through the pictures. And I came across a picture I had taken of a page of a book. And I read it and I was like, oh my gosh, I need to read that. It's so on Wednesday. So um, I believe it's the spirit. If when I read it, you don't think it is, that's okay. I believe it is. This is called the momentum key. So this is about a guy that meets daily with a teacher, okay? We were standing in the middle of a small plane when he gave me an unexpected directive. Jump, said the teacher. Not up and down, but forward. Jump forward as far as you can. So I did. It was nothing impressive, just a few feet. The teacher drew two lines, the first where I started and the second where I landed. Now go back as far as you want, run as fast as you're able, and jump as far as you can. So I did. The second jump was far more impressive than the first. Why was your last jump so much farther than your first? One word, momentum. When an archer wants to shoot an arrow, he must first pull the arrow back on his bow. When an angry mob wants to force open a castle door with a battering ram, they must first back away from the door and then run into it. They all, in some way, move back in order to gain momentum. Without momentum, the jumper won't jump, the arrow won't shoot, and the castle doors won't open. 
And what is true in the physical realm is also true in the spiritual. If you are going to have breakthrough in the physical realm, you need physical momentum. And if you are going to have breakthrough in the spiritual realm, you need spiritual momentum. But how do you translate a physical law into the spiritual realm? This is a question he asks his teacher. In order to build physical momentum, you need continuous, consistent motion. If the angry mob stops on the way to the castle door, then starts up again, they lose their momentum and the door won't open. In the same way, if you're not consistent in your walk with God, if you waver back and forth, no condemnation, okay, for any of us. If you waver back and forth, if you stop and start and stop and start again, if you have no continuous motion, you'll lose spiritual momentum and you'll never accomplish what you were called to do or see the blessings and breakthroughs you were meant to see. So make it your aim now to become all the more consistent, continuous, and unwavering in your walk, in your righteousness, in your purity, in your prayers, in your worship, in your joy, in your love, and in your holiness. This will give you spiritual momentum. Then go with that momentum and increase it. Allow it to bring you to higher ground. And the doors will open, the walls will come down, and you will live the life of victory, power, breakthrough. You are always called to live. This hit me with the intention that we've designed for this year. I feel like if people truly commit, now everyone's commitment will look different. This is not a commitment that myself or any of the other teachers will be grading you on. We won't know what you're doing with it. But I encourage you, if within yourself you let God guide you, you let God show you how your commitment should look with him. There may be areas that you've been asking questions or maybe just been dissatisfied with. And I encourage you, put that together with your time with God and begin to talk to him and really let him not dissect and scrutinize, but encourage you in areas. If through this year you falter a little bit, just pick yourself up, dust off and keep going. Pastor Barry used to say, you never fail unless you fall down and you don't get back up. It's not failure as long as you get back up. Okay? School of Word and Worship. It's not failure unless you just plain don't get back up. But I encourage you because one of the things, it's not that God's rewarding momentum. It's that he has built us for continuous movement. He's built us. He's not built us to stand still, not on physically, And he's not built us in our spirit to stand still. He's not built us in our soul. Your mind never stands still. Never. Our minds were built to move fast and to grab thoughts and to dream and to envision. Are you all with me? Okay. I have a couple of different things that I may read, but I want to go to... um, the beginning of the teaching stuff. Here's a statement for you. You have the power. Now listen to this and don't listen with your filter about yourself. This is the truth about you. You have the power to thrive, to succeed in all areas, to walk healthy, etc. Anything that you feel is right for you with success, with prosperity, you have the power to do that. You have the power to thrive. You may not believe it, But you do. Mankind was built for dominion. 
you know, so often we'll look at dominion out here. Like, am I, am I running my life good out here? The challenge with running our lives out here is how are we running our lives in here? Okay. So now as we look at faith, there's everyday faith. Okay, so unless you've got um, faith for your battery not to go dead, there's a Lincoln MKX, license AJ3759, and your parking lights are on. So unless you're really confident in your faith for your battery, yeah, probably ought to go turn them off. (laughs) Aren't you glad, Alan? There you go. But see, literally, this is how simple it is. Alan is exercising faith right now. He was given a word that his car's lights are on and he's going to turn them off. There's everyday faith. We are using faith every day. One of the things I think that we have to understand as the children of God is we don't have to learn how to walk in faith. We were built as believers, not, you know, we we use the term believer that People who have accepted Jesus are now believers. Well, we might be believers in Jesus now, but we've always been believers. We've always believed something. And we put faith. You put faith when you came in here. You expected there'd be heat. You expected these chairs would hold you. You expected that we would have some worship. There's faith being used all the time. And I think for me personally, I think we need to demystify the word faith de-churchize the word faith. Seriously, like de-religiosize faith. Because every human on the planet has been given the measure of faith, according to Romans 12.3. We just get so churchy that we're like, well, why aren't they using their Jesus faith? Because they haven't been given Jesus words yet to have confidence in and to move out on. But we're using faith, Okay. Are y'all with me? I mean, if you want Chick-fil-A nuggets, which are the best on the planet, you go there believing they will be real chicken. Why? Because we have learned to trust, to exercise faith that Chick-fil-A has not sponge chicken nuggets, but real chicken cut in bite-sized pieces. Many people in the United States have been taught to believe that a round circle with crunch on the outside and white on the inside is a chicken. Is chicken. <laughs> I'm just painting pictures. Don't we have, to, we have to have pictures for stuff? You're exercising faith all the time. So there's everyday faith, and we use it all the time. And then there is the God kind. Just a hint, mankind was built to use the God kind. This type ultimately results in life. So if you're using your faith, if you have belief in things, but success and life aren't happening, then all you need to do is hear some different things. Now, I'm building a foundation because we're going to go for the next eight weeks. We're going to have a course on God's perspective on faith. We're going to believe that God is going to give us clarity on how we are walking in the God kind of faith. I've said to him, 
as I teach this and as others teach, I want clarity, God. I've grown to a point, but our strength in faith should never just stop. Like it's not an arrival point where, oh, I'm a faith person now. Well, you were born a faith person. You were born. I mean, I was with someone yesterday and they fixed a bottle. They put it in the baby's mouth. The baby expected formula to come out of that bottle. That baby doesn't even know what he's doing, but he was exercising faith. Because he started sucking as soon as she put the nipple in his mouth. Come on, laugh a little bit with me, guys, because we're using faith. And how are we using it? How even as Christians sitting on chairs in a church, how are we really using our faith? Have we been taught that church attendance and obedience in church attendance is what gets us to heaven? There are people that have been taught that. That's not true. So there's the everyday kind and then there's the God kind that ultimately ends up in life. We have discussed before, and so, we've discussed that since we are always believing something, we are always acting out of that belief structure. And therefore using a form of faith. When I was in a traditional church, I was taught that God would use sickness and disease to teach us a lesson. So I operated out of that. I lived the whole year based on that. If, if the flu came, I believed that I would get it. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Um, I expected that sickness and disease was just part of what we have to live with. And that's, there is a fact that sickness and disease is on the planet. There is the fact that there are germs. You know, the little things in the restroom that say, um, wash your hands because Jesus and or, wash your hands and say your prayers because Jesus and germs are everywhere. It's true, they're everywhere. But there is a better way of how to face the things that come against us. You all with me? So we act out of a belief structure. I think as we get further into the faith teaching, God's going to give clarity of what structure we each have built. Some of our structure might be great. But if any of the foundational parts of your structure are at odds, the whole building is in danger. You know, if you build a house and there are cracks and there are things wrong, maybe an uneven foundation, the whole thing that's being built on it is unstable. If we could grasp as the children of God that God is not trying to make us look like good Christians. He wants us stable. Even the way that he's designed this one-year curriculum. He wants us all stable. Why? Because he loves us. It's so simple. He loves me. He loves you. When we feel unstable, don't you feel like you kind of flounder around? James talks about a man that's got two minds. And he's unstable in all of his ways. Now, it's not that God's looking and saying, I don't like unstable people. No, it's that when you're unstable, you feel unbalanced. You can have emotional turmoil. You can have emotional turmoil and turmoil in relationships. Are you all with me? This is so important because God's not saying, I just want you guys to be faith giants. He wants us stable. Belief is so powerful. The major key is what? What do you believe? 
Even tonight, what do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about how God views you tonight? If you're in so for the first time, or maybe for the first time in a long time, what do you believe about how God views that? Do you feel like God's disappointed in you because you haven't been attending? Do you feel like God has confidence that attending now and maybe even committing to this, do you feel like he has confidence in you? Or do you feel like he's sitting there saying, oh, well, we'll see. Seriously, because it matters how we believe he looks at us. If we can understand, and we're going to see this in scripture, I'm just laying a foundation with regard to faith because a lot of people sit in church and they say, I have faith in God. Take a deep breath. I'm going to take a deep breath, okay? Brain breather right here. Let's just laugh for a minute because it's real easy to say you have faith in God. And then have some really trippy thing rock up on your path. So it's a major thing what you believe. Like really believe. Do you really believe God is your advocate? Do you believe that he's your advocate no matter what you do? Do you believe that he still would like to work with you through this year if you don't come back to sow another time in 2020? You see, attending sow for this 12 months isn't where the commitment lies. I'm just saying because I don't want you to think it's about sow. It's about you and God. Just like when Heather talked about the $20 bill, it's not about a $20 bill. It's not about us trying to get money in an offering plate. She was led by the Spirit to share something. It struck me instantly. And I was so thankful I had the bank envelope in my purse. Because usually it's in my top drawer. The cash envelope. But it was in my purse. So I could link my faith with that. And do you know what hit me? Why I wanted to sow that 20? And I'm not... I love you guys so much. I love people that aren't even here yet. That are probably on their way. Some that are probably on their way to sow that haven't even been born yet. I thought I'm putting that $20 in tonight because she said this is toward what God wants to do in 2020. And I thought, God, I felt calls toward the Lord during worship. I'm linking with the call call from the hearts of the people in this room. I'm linking with that. I'm putting my $20 in the plate and I am banking on the fact that you are answering the hearts that called out to you tonight. And in 2020, you're going to make a difference in their lives, in the lives of their family, and their offspring that are yet to come on the earth. You see, this is where God says, I want to teach you how to use the power of belief, which is how I built you. In order to walk in faith, we must first believe correctly. And in order to believe correctly, we must first see what we are really thinking and believing, or we could say focusing on. Focus is a powerful thing. Ever had a thought that just torments you? Or maybe two or three or five or ten? (laughs) No, seriously, those things that keep coming back. The thought keeps coming back. Because maybe the situation is just there. God wants to help us. To get his perspective on that situation. You see, when, when two come into agreement, it's very powerful. 
It's very powerful. In fact, the Bible teaches, and I think it's in Genesis 11, about the Tower of Babel. And the way that scripture, if you look into the ancient language, the way it's described is that when people agree, nothing is impossible to them. So much so that in one translation, um, it says that the people's politics was such that they would truly accomplish what they had set out to do. So God scattered languages. God came and saved because he knew man left alone to himself. You see, that scattering in Genesis there at Babel, that was a gift of salvation. I think there's some scattering and reordering that's happening in the church of Jesus Christ right now. God needs to scatter some of our thinking and get rid of some of it and bring us back to the language of truth. So it's important what we focus on. And if it does not line up with truth, then we must correct it. I think this is a year. I feel even personally for me, I'm going to say that again and again throughout the year because I feel like even for me in my view maybe of so, God is straightening thinking, giving me more clarity so that as I let go of certain things that have to do with this school of word and worship and what God wants to do here, growth can come to each one of us. When growth starts inside of one person and then people come together and begin to agree for their own well-being and the well-being of the whole group, God gets up in the middle of that. He says, if two or more of you agree, there I am in the midst. When you agree according to his will, he's in the midst. So when I say tonight that if we commit together tonight, that he is going to clarify things for us, that he's going to open up our vision, open up how we see our lives and how we see our lives when that changes, how we see the lives of people around us, how we see the lives of the nation of the United States, how we see this planet will change. You see, God wants us to influence with his perspective. Are you all with me? Is anybody asleep? It's okay. You know your spirit's not asleep, so you're still hearing me talk. We have to find out what God says in his word and commit it to memory. Think about that. What you hear through this year, this is why I said, get a notebook to designate this is to your spiritual growth. You know, if you're not a person that does that, you know, I'm not, no condemnation. It's my encouragement. Because I found that when I started doing that and acknowledging what God was doing in my life, and then after periods of time, I went back and looked at it, I was shocked. I was shocked at what he had said to me and what he was saying through me and how I was seeing how, okay, I'm not just preparing for a call. I'm not studying to teach. I'm going to the word and I'm learning who I am in God. So don't think about study just because of so. Even the, do you call it an acrostic, the school of word and worship, so? I love that, even though it's not spelled like the normal so. But I like that because it's a constant reminder to me that this is a place of sowing and reaping. Anytime a seed is sown, there's a multiplied return. So even if you sow a seed of commitment to what God wants to do over the next 12 months, There's going to be a multiplied return. So committing it to memory. When we think about our memory, 
Um, remember I said there's a belief structure. Your memory, we really are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what the Bible says. Our brains record things that you, you may not sit and consciously remember, but there are things stored within the gray matter, within the spirit of your mind, that when we lean into really God's brilliance overshadowing ours, you would be able to bring things to remembrance. It would shock you. You see, God's brilliant, and he wants to put our mind. That's why Jesus said, let this mind be in you. Or the Bible says, let this mind be in you. Let this mind. What mind? The mind of God. What kind of thought processes will God think with you as you walk with him through this year? What kind of confidence will he pour into you in your relationship? We talked in chats tonight, and some of it went to intimacy, really being intimate with God. And some people hate the intimacy word. And so, you know, you can, we can use all kinds of it, you know, fellowshipping with God and communing with God. And it, but it's all intimacy. Intimacy isn't just a sensual word. It's a word that speaks of really, really coming close. Coming close and really listening. So when we commit the truth to memory, we commit the truth of God's word as we study. We commit it to the very central portion of our being. The command center. When your heart, which is comprised of both your spirit and your soul... When your heart is filled with truth and both your spirit and your soul, which your soul is your mind, will, and emotions, when they agree, think again about agreement. What will happen there? God can be right in the midst of it. You see, that's when we come to being an ordered being, proper order. If we have a heart that says, I have faith in God, but then we have crud, in our soul, in our mind, will, and emotions that doesn't believe he's being good to us, then we're at odds constantly. Like we want to come to church. When we're in church, we feel comfortable. There's praise and worship music. There's spiritual people around us. And we can say, I have faith in God. And then we go out and we live our life during the week. And our mind speaks to us and says, but it doesn't look like he's being good to you. Maybe other people have this and you don't have it. Whatever the this is. Are you with me? It's the split personality almost really it's the man of two minds that james says um and i oh in traditional teaching and traditional church i used to read that passage in james um a man of two minds that don't let him think that he'll receive anything from god i saw that as like almost like god's punishment like if if you're double-minded then god is not going to give you anything i was taught there were things in my thinking that made me think, unless I earned his favor, he wouldn't give me anything good. That's not what it was saying. It says, if you can't, if, you, if you're twisted and you're vacillating back and forth, you won't believe it. You won't receive it. You won't hold tight. You see, we have to have things in our interior that we always return to as a reference point or a measuring stick. If you have wrong things inside of you and when you go to look at what's happening in your life or in the world, 
if your measuring stick doesn't match with God's perspective, then you can think God's doing all kinds of things. I know, and I used to, read the Old Testament with a wrong measuring stick. With a perspective that God was mean then. He was mean in the Old Testament. He's nicer in the New Testament. Come on, guys. God has never changed. God's been gracious, kind, and loving from before the foundation of the world. But you can't just read this. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. You can't just read this at face value of the translators. Because there are things in here I had never been taught prior to coming here that the Old Testament was written in a permissive form. Just permissive. There were things permitted. There were things that he wasn't doing them himself. One of the things I think with faith that it's important for us to understand is God has put spiritual laws into action. Those spiritual laws work all the time. Sowing and reaping, it works. Like if you think crazy, you're going to feel crazy. If you think God will punish you with sickness, then you'll receive sickness. Because if you know you've been acting like a doo-doo, you know, just like children wait for the spanking or the punishment or the restriction when they know they've done wrong. Sometimes we wait for the shoe to drop. You don't have to raise your hand, but you can. If you kind of sometimes live that way, like the shoe might drop any time because I've not handled my life exactly right. Two of us that are brave. Anybody else? I mean, some of us, that's still, but how much proof is that, that this year has been intentionally put in the mind of us as teachers because God says, I don't want you guys to feel that way. I want you to realize how for you I am. You with me? Going to biblical truth is how we get hope. So if you're hoping things will change this year, We're going to go to biblical truth in a lot of different ways all the way through the year. We've got five different modules. This first one, we're going to dissect, tear apart faith. What is it to really trust? What is it to really believe? If you get proper perspective from the scriptures, you'll have a godly perspective. Ever been um, or heard people talk like, you just need to think godly. And they kind of attribute it. It's almost more like, think morally upright. Ever felt like that? Like people are checking your morals. Or they're making everything about godliness, about morals. You see, to think that God looks at immoral people and dislikes them is very ungodly. I'm going to say that again because you might have felt it was twisted. To think that God himself, the Heavenly Father, looks at immoral people and dislikes them. That's an ungodly thought process. God doesn't look on disdain, look on mankind with disdain. He looks at times I feel like as a father that I'm sure he doesn't feel desperate. But I picture that like he yearns after us. Because he knows the harm 
that comes to people who are living in certain places. Are you all with me? You see, one of the first primary things for us to grow in faith, to grow in relationship with God, is that he's good and he loves people. Period. He doesn't love us because we're good. He loves us because he loves us. He says there's nothing about what I have for you that you can earn. And I think tonight maybe that would be a thing for some to just go ahead and dust yourself off. <laughs> so I'm just doing so. You know that, okay, you need a new picture of how he's looking at you. He's not judging you. You're judging yourself. And there's only one that causes us to judge ourselves. So we know who to blame for judgment, ugliness, and hatred that's on the planet. I'm dusting myself off. I don't earn anything. The love of God is a free gift. And actually the salvation that comes continually to the planet is the love of God. The love of God saves. The love of God gave us Jesus. The love of God said, I'm going to literally give you a visible expression of life. Enters Jesus. I want to read a couple of things. Um, I'll have to finish some of this next week, but I want to read a couple of things to you from, um, if you're interested in what reference material this is from, it's from Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words. And there's a couple of things that, um, I'm not going to read all this, don't freak, but I've got a couple of things highlighted. Because when you, when you look into research materials and you see how language was used, that's important because then it gives a different perspective on the words. Belief means taking God seriously. Nice and simple, huh? To count on him as real and commit ourselves to him. And to act in accordance with the particular message he has given to us. Faith's inner conviction about God is always translated into action and results in a lifestyle through which the reality of faith is expressed. Now again, to clarify that, it's not that you can be in impressive, okay? It still always goes back to relationship. The New Testament concept of faith, one word group was used in classical Greek and in the common Greek of the New Testament era to express the idea of faith. That word group encompassed a wide range of secular and religious ideas, but the underlying thrust is clear. Pistis, which is a Greek word, is faith or belief, and related words deal with relationships established by trust and maintained by trustworthiness. So as we start out with faith, you need to understand that faith is not some sort of a performance that you're doing to prove to God that you trust him and believe him. It's a relationship. When you relate to God, when you interact with God, the breath that comes back to you, the interaction, the communication that comes back to you is faith. It's a force. It's the force of God's kingdom. See, this is really important because, remember, I said we're always using faith. 
But we can be using faith that comes from many different sources. Belief. We have beliefs. We have a structure of belief. But when you begin to build a structure of belief out of a relationship. I've been with my husband for 44 years. Props for Neil staying with me 44 years. We've been married 42. God's been in the midst of that. That's not normal and natural. But between the two of us, we haven't been together that long without relationship. There's intimate relationship. And I'm not just talking about that kind of intimacy. There is trust. There's confidence. We've interacted. We've related to one another. We've battled through things. We've processed things. And as we've done that, we've learned to trust one another. This is relational. The longevity of this marriage is relational on so many different levels. Honesty, truthfulness, not always saying I like everything. Not that we agree on everything. Do you know that you can completely disagree and stay connected? The body of Christ so needs to understand that. Because honestly, divorce in the earth, just marital divorce, happens because people think they have to see eye to eye to stay together. If you think you have to stay eye to eye, there's no human being on the planet that I see eye to eye with all the time. I mean, humans, we're built meticulously with our own opinions and views. So this, this aspect of faith, we make a choice to begin to relate to God differently. Anybody ready to relate to God differently, to go to the next level in relationship with God? I am. I don't want to have just church relationship with God. Not that I have just that now, but what we've got, we can go further. So it's, it deals with relationships established by trust and maintained by trustworthiness. It's stressed, still speaking of this word, how this word was used both religiously and in secular Greek. It's stressed faithfulness to the agreement made or trustworthiness in keeping promises. Faithfulness to the agreement made. You see, God is always, and we're going to have a course. The next course is, is the covenant piece, right, Heather? I think module two. We're going to study covenant in here. Because when you understand the agreement God invited you into, he will never step back from his commitment to be in agreement to bring you life. Now, when he proves to us, I'm committed, I'm trustworthy, and we begin to relate to him with that, he's sowing toward us faithfulness, commitment, Trust, trustworthiness. He's sowing that into us. When he demonstrates that toward us, it'll start growing in us. <laughs> Come on, guys. When you relate to God, when you fellowship with God, when you really start talking turkey with God, really relating to him, telling him what you like, what you don't like, telling him what you understand, what you don't understand, and you have conversations and communication He's going to transmit some stuff to you. I mean, it's communicable. You know, we talk about dis-ease, diseases, sicknesses being communicable. It didn't start out with disease on the planet that was communicable. It started out with communicable ease. God was communicating to Adam and Eve ease, confidence. These first two people, guys... 
They were set up to shepherd the earth. They were tending and keeping. They were there in the beginning. Tending and keeping. Work is not a dirty word. It was not a dirty word before the fall. I'm not sure. I mean, because there was work to be done. Man was given dominion of the planet. Like, okay, rule and reign. We use all these terms and we've equated them to church. Rule and reign, dominion, all this stuff. Do you know what dominion means? Stand up and lead what's happening on the planet. Dominion doesn't mean go to work and dominate the non-Christians. Come on, church. Cheers, Jesus. No. We can walk in a form of agreement, just love, not seeing eye to eye. But we look for division points instead of looking for connection points. Oh, Jesus, help us. And then we wonder why they won't listen to our message. Because they don't see it. They're like, you don't treat me like love. I'm not going to go there. I'm getting back off that soapbox. A conviction. Let's, let me find this. Uh, I lost it. Keeping promises. In time, in time, the use expanded. In the classical period, writers spoke of trust in the gods as well as trust in people. In the Hellenic era, era faith in God came to mean theoretical conviction about a particular doctrine, a conviction expressed in one's way of life. You see, even love, we've, we've got to realize we can talk love all the day long. Talking love doesn't prove anything. When we say we are filled with God and God is love, and then we treat people like, they're like, okay, this, this doesn't jive. This doesn't make sense. Right? You with me? Okay, let's look at this piece. The most important construction, we're talking about all the use of words. And some of this I want you to understand because God chose for the Bible to be inspired and written in a language that was already here on the planet. The New Testament is written in Greek. It's a rich language. Marianne's going to come in in a few weeks and she's going to teach you about some of the words for um, faith. And it's so rich when she talks about the belief, the word for belief and the word for light and the word for um, Zoe love. So the most important construction is unique to the New Testament, an invention of the early church. Okay, so the church took a word and they made their own invention with it. An invention of the early church that expresses the inmost secret of our faith. That construction links faith with the preposition ice, which is, means to or into. This is never done in secular Greek. Never done. The church took the word and attached it to a, to a preposition. In the New Testament, it portrays a person committing himself or herself totally to the person of Jesus Christ, for our faith is into Jesus. Into Jesus. This is why we can say we are in Christ. And I love to say in Christ it because we are in him and he is in us. There are pictures that the Bible chooses to paint. 
Remember, words paint pictures. If you have creepy languaging that has made you think God is not kind, God is not nice to you, or God is not nice to immoral people, or God doesn't love everyone on the planet, then those words have painted pictures inside of you that are a wrong belief structure. These are the things through this 12-month period we want to tear down. Anybody agree with me? Because some of them have just been built behind the walls of our housing. We didn't even realize they were there. Until I got baptized in the Spirit 30 years ago, there were things that I I knew I loved Jesus, but there were things I didn't understand. And when I got baptized in the Spirit and I started seeing differently into the Bible, I was shocked at the things that were hidden behind the drywall of my life that tormented me, that held me back, that made me insecure. I've told you all, I was scared spitless to speak in public. There were things behind my walls that made me fearful to be actually who God's called me to be. God didn't make me shy and intimidated and scared to talk. I come now and I love you guys. I love people. I want to share my heart. I don't think I know everything, but I do know that when humans share their hearts among each other, God gets in the midst of it and he stirs up acceptance. He stirs up a movement of spirit, the spirit of life. Faith is a powerful force. And when we have confidence in God, when we let ourselves believe into Jesus, You see, sometimes when you can't believe, that's the time to say, okay, Jesus, I'm climbing inside you. I'm going to believe. I believe in you, Jesus. I'm having trouble believing these things, but I believe in you, Jesus. And I give you permission to persuade me. I say things like that. I even say things like that to him when I feel like he's told me to do something. I don't want to do it. I will literally say, Jesus, I'm like so not feeling that. But I give you permission to change my, my mind, to persuade me. I give you permission. I just give you permission. He respects that, I believe. And see, then he can, he can come in and say, oh, Kathy, actually, your deepest heart that I know better than you do actually wants to do that. I've got some things deep down inside that I know the real me wants to. And there's still some things here, but I got people close to me that speak into my life. And so God's adjusting my structure. If you're a loner, I encourage you tonight. Let God show you how to fall deeply into what we're going to do for the next 12 months. Because together, we're going to be dramatically changed. And it'll take each one of us committing to him, committing to the truth of his word, but also allowing him to put our lives together, allowing us to get to know one another, allowing ourselves, because, you know, part of getting to know one another, trusting him is trusting other people. And then there are people that I'm close to that I'm so vulnerable with. And really, I don't have to be afraid to be vulnerable with any of you. I mean, you're here tonight. That proves you love Jesus. If you love Jesus, man, you're in my tribe. And we're going to learn, okay, how does he want to unleash me further in my love of him and my love of you guys and then spreading out from us to the many others? Aren't there a lot of people around us every day that have such need? You got people around you that have need? Oh, man. 
I got a few minutes, so let me read a couple more of these things. Um, So it's relationship. One of the things, too, that I really felt to say to you guys tonight, I think as we're going through the, the faith material, a very powerful thing in, in learning to grow and be released in faith is sonship. If, if you don't um, understand your own sonship with God, because that's why it's so powerful when we study the ministry of Jesus. Jesus was completely unashamed. To be the offspring of God. To claim the title. He didn't walk around saying he's a savior. He stepped into his sonship. And I think we're going to all learn an even deeper walk of sonship. To really say, okay, of course I have the capacity to do certain things. I'm not just made in God's image. I'm a son. I'm literally his seed. You all are literally God's seed. You have capacities of expression to come out of you that only you can release in the earth of an expression of God. We, we have the younger ones that are in here with us at the back. And they, young as they are, powerful spirit. Things that only they will be able to release into the earth. You see how exciting is that? Because however many of us, I don't know what, there's probably about 70 people in this room tonight. That many expressions different of our father and his goodness. There are people, there are people that they'll only see God through your life. They, they, they would think I was a nutcake. They'd be right. But anyways, you with me? Okay, here's a final piece. In the Gospels, one vital fact is made clear in Jesus' words about faith. A lack of trust in God, in whom we have faith, closes off life's possibilities. Not because he's withholding, right? Because we can't believe. When we fail to believe, we do not experience the full range of God's activity. It can be happening all around us. You ever been in a situation where... Maybe everybody else looked like they were all up into worship and you were just like, I ain't feeling nothing. Anybody? I've had nights in here like that where I'm just, I'm just like, I don't know, numb or something. And yet God's here moving all over the place. Sometimes things shut us off to not experience. But when we trust, we open up our future to a full experience of God's power in and through us. Now, this is all coming from a theologian's research material on the original language that the New Testament was written in. I think things like that are interesting. I think it's cool that the church took a secular Greek word and made a new invention with it to paint a picture of us being in Christ. So um, I said that we would pray, and I want to do that. And... Remember, don't judge your own self like how much you think you're able to commit tonight. If you want to commit, maybe you're scared to commit. Um, I'm a little scared. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Because I know that as I step into what God's doing and so, that makes me step further into how he's called me in the earth, which is going to put some demands on my life. So there's kind of not like fear stuff, but just like, mm. I don't know. You know those thoughts like, mm, do I really want to do this? 
Anybody else ever feel that stuff? I like get so vulnerable with you guys. Come on, man. Don't you sometimes feel like, oh, I don't know. Like, what is, how far am I going to go in this? I don't know. And then I stand, I stand up in front of you guys and say it out loud. At least you can sneak it in your mind and nobody knows what you're thinking. <laughs> but if you have even the desire, but you're not sure that you have the will, um, but you want to commit to whatever it is that God caused us to set apart this 12 months for growth. If you want to get in on that, Maybe you don't want to get in on it because you don't feel like you can, but you'd like to want to. Just stand up because we're going to pray together and we're just going to really, like the $20 bill, we're going to commit to whatever the heck it is he wants to do because he shall want to do something. Father, we love you. I love so much, Father God, that during worship I felt hearts calling to you. Some that were calling maybe in their brain, they didn't know they were calling. But I thank you that you hear our hearts. You know our desires better than we know them ourselves. And so tonight, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we put ourselves out there together. Thank you, Father, we do it together. We don't have to do it alone. We're doing it together and we're saying, whatever your intention for these major building blocks in our lives We say thank you ahead of time. We're committing to the best of our understanding tonight. And we know that you'll help us to grasp more and more as we go through it, how to lean further in. But whatever we have tonight, we give it to you, Father God. And we say yes. Whatever you're wanting to do in our lives, we say yes. Go ahead. Do it. Any way that you have to change us, rearrange our thinking so that we'll yield more readily, go ahead. Even the ones of us that feel a little bit like, oh, whatever. Help us with that, Father God. Help us to not be afraid. Help us to yield to the togetherness and the gathering. Thank you, Father, that in this room we each do have faith here tonight. And so there's far more movement of faith that I get to have access to than just my own tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Father, that... I have brothers and sisters around me that are believing for themselves and for each other and for me. And so I thank you for the power and the force and the ultimate outcome of what we're saying yes to together. Thank you, Father, that it won't just rest in so or in living faith or in our individual lives, but it will go out and it will reach out to so many people that really, really need you. Because your faith inside of us will cause us to be unafraid, to share our lives, to share your truth, and to share it the right way. Not the religious way, not the church way, but the Christ way. We just accept what you want to give us, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen.